السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ رحمتہ و نصلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم بشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما سو ان شاء الله the test will be of kitab al jumu'ah as well as kitab salat al khawf okay not kitab al khawf that will be book of fear this book is not of fear it is of the fear prayer okay salat al khawf okay so with regards to kitab al jumu'ah as you can see the abwab i have put them into sections for you hmm? Because remember that this book is not just a collection of random abwaab and random ahadith. It's all been arranged in a particular order. All right? Why? Because something is being proven. All right? We're being taught a method. And at the same time, we're being taught certain rulings. So when it comes to anything, any act of worship, the first thing is to figure out, is it obligatory? Is it just preferable? What is it? So first of all, the obligatory nature of Jumu'ah. So over here, find out why uh, first of all jumu'ah is called jumu'ah okay we had a discussion on that why is it called jumu'ah it's the day of jum good it's the day of gathering why okay because we gather for the purpose of worship and what else happened on jumu'ah why is jumu'ah called jumu'ah adam alayhi salam was created right and the day of judgment will also be on the day of friday right which is the day of gathering Okay, Adam alayhi salam, his body was gathered in the sense that he was created. He was put together, exactly. And then is Jumu'ah an obligation upon the Ummah? Okay, this is also something that you should know. Then Abu'ab concerning the importance of Friday prayer and its etiquette. Because there are so many etiquette associated to the Friday prayer, what does that show? The importance, right? Because think about it, when you are required to take a bath before you do something, right it is better that you wear the best that clean yourself you perfume yourself you style your hair so on and so forth what does that show the importance of jumu'ah so what is the etiquette of jumu'ah all of these abwab it's uh, clear from among these etiquette what is mandatory what is recommended right what is mandatory for who and what is not mandatory for who like for example taking a bath mandatory for men not mandatory for women taking a bath is mandatory but perfuming yourself that is not mandatory it is recommended right so for each one of them i mentioned to you what was obligatory and what was not right a few things more about ghusl what time of day is it recommended to perform ghusl for jumu'ah and the last bab that is over here what is to be recited on fajr prayer on the day of friday because that is also of the importance that is given to jumu'ah that the day is is special from its beginning so from the time of fajr you know there's certain etiquette that has to be observed then who is excused from jumu'ah where will jumu'ah be established in qura and in mudn right meaning in major towns and major populations and if people are living far away from such areas then it is not obligatory on them minimum number for a jumu'ah congregation women and children attending jumu'ah when is a person excused when a person is traveling when are they excused the time of jumu'ah what what is the time of jumu'ah in what conditions can it be performed early or slightly late because as we learn when it's extremely hot then it may be delayed and the hadith mentions when is it delayed and when it is early remember i mentioned to you that there's two types of travelers one is the traveler who is on the road okay on the road meaning he is in the journey 
He is on the highway, for example, sitting in the train, sitting in the plane. Uh, such a person, Jumu'ah is not obligatory on them. They are exempt. Another is a traveler who goes to a city and he stays there for a week. I mean, technically, he's still a traveler. But he's not traveling. He's not on the road. He's staying at his brother's house. And the masjid is down the road and he hears the adhan. So what is preferable for him to go to Jumu'ah? Yes. It's best that he does. Especially when he hears the adhan. Any other question with regards to this? Yes. Yeah, he goes into this category, meaning he's traveling. Yeah, that, that is also part of being excused, right? Meaning, Jumu'ah is an obligation. Correct? Okay. But when, in what situation is a person excused? If you look at these abwab, you'll find out. Look at your notes, because I mentioned to you, I explained to you. Like, for example, a person is sick, or he lives too far away from the masjid. He doesn't even hear the adhan. Anas radiallahu anhu, he used to live in his uh, fort, and what happened? He was really far from the masjid, from the city. So what would he do? Sometimes he would go and sometimes he would not go. Right? So what does that show? That a person who is living far from a masjid, then it is allowed for him to sometimes remain behind from Jumu'ah. Because it would be too difficult for him to go every time. Right? Likewise, a person who has become old, a person who is sick, they are exempted. Right? Okay. The time of Jumu'ah, the etiquette of gathering of Jumu'ah, walking to Jumu'ah, not running, Right? And then add Jumu'ah, not separating between people, not making somebody get up and sit in their place. What's the reward of walking to Jumu'ah? If you look at the ahadith and if you look at your notes, everything is there. And these questions I've put over here, these notes I've made over here to make you think along these lines. Look at the practical aspect of it. Then with regards to the adhan, when is it to be made? What's the answer? Good. When the time comes in and secondly, when the imam comes in for Jumu'ah. All right. المؤذن الواحد يوم الجمعة The issue of how many adhans One, two, three, how many Right? Then the imam being on the mimbar And responding to the adhan Okay, and then the imam should only sit On the mimbar after the adhan التأذين عند الخطبة Right? And then the khutba, the etiquette of khutba Where is it supposed to be? How is a khatib supposed to deliver the khutba? Right? Who is he supposed to be facing? And the people, when they're listening to the khutba what should they be doing? Who should they be looking at? Sitting between the two khutbas, listening to the khutbah attentively. And remember, what is it that we are allowed to say during the khutbah and what is it that we're not allowed to say during the khutbah? Can you tell somebody to be quiet if they're talking too much? Can you respond to the greeting? If somebody sneezes, can they say Alhamdulillah out loud and somebody else says Yarhamukallah out loud? So all of these matters, okay? We have discussed them earlier. All right. Asa'atullati. What is that special hour of Friday? What is it that dua is accepted during it? When is it? I told you about the two opinions and their evidences. So you should know about them also. And then people leaving Jumu'ah. The prayers before and after Jumu'ah. How many raka'at before Jumu'ah? How many raka'at of Jumu'ah? And after Jumu'ah? Okay. The sunnah before. What is it? Only tahiyyatul masjid. How many raka'at for Jumu'ah? Four? Two. What about after? This is what I want you to know. How many rakat are you supposed to perform if you are in the masjid? And if you go home, then how many? What's the answer? If you're in the masjid, four. Two and two. Because that's what the Prophet ﷺ ordered the companions to do. That after Jumu'ah, they should pray four rakat. So two and two. But if a person is not able to stay after Jumu'ah, then what? He ends up at home. And then how many will he pray? Two. After Jumu'ah, 
what should be done? فَانْتَشِرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَابْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ And this is also important for us to remember that after Jummah, do something. Don't just hang out and waste your time. فَانْتَشِرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ Because sometimes it happens that when we are socializing, then we just stay there. Go. فَانْتَشِرُوا Disperse. Go your own way. وَابْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ And seek from the bounty of Allah. Gain some knowledge. Go buy something, go sell something, make some money, work. Okay? وَبْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ I remember recently, there was a discussion about a particular class, when it should be, and I mentioned that after Jumu'ah, they said, no, but on Jumu'ah you're not supposed to do this kind of stuff after Jumu'ah. I'm like, why not? وَبْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِ اللَّهِ Fadl includes ilm. It includes ilm. الْقَائِلَ بَعْضَ الْجُمُعَةِ Kitab Salat Al-Khawf so with regards to Salat Al-Khawf, when will it be performed in congregation? And when will it be performed individually? What's the answer? When will it be performed in congregation? When they're not in combat, but the enemy is there, the threat is there. What's the method of Salat Al-Khawf in congregation? You should be familiar with that. You should be able to explain it. And when is it that Salat Al-Khawf will be performed individually? When? When a person is engaged in combat, right? And how would it be performed individually? You should know through gestures and by pronouncing the words, the dhikr, right? And in what situations can salah be delayed? In a state of fear, because that is also proven from the sunnah. In what situations? Exactly, that despite effort, a person was not able to perform the salah. Like for example, Umar anhu, he came to the Prophet and complaining that I wasn't able to perform my asr. And the Prophet ﷺ was not able to perform that either. Any question about it? Any clarification that you need with respect to these two books? Now is your chance. Because today is Friday and Monday is your test and I won't be here on Monday. So now is your chance. After Jumu'ah you might not be able to catch me today. Huh? Anything? Make sure you read all of the ahadith. Don't just skim over them. Read the chapter heading and move on. No, read the hadith. Okay? Inshallah. And were you informed about uh, knowing the translation also of the hadith? Yeah? Okay, alhamdulillah. With respect to Salatul Khawf. Okay. Meaning in a state of fear. Because we learned that even in the state of fear, people perform salah in congregation. If that is not possible, then individually. But, Sometimes it's not possible to, to perform the salah, even you know, being talib or matloob like we learned. So in that situation, salah is deferred. Okay, let's begin our next chapter, which is Kitabul Eidain. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajim, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Kitabul Eidain. Al Eidain is Tasniya of Eid, meaning Eidain, two Eids. What does that show? How many Eids do we celebrate? Two. Meaning as Muslims, we are to celebrate two Eids. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated many things upon us, He has also obligated us to celebrate at these two occasions. Al-Eidain. Eid is from the root letters, Ain Wao Dal. Ada Ya'udu. And what does that mean? To return. So Eid, it returns every year. 
It repeats itself, the two Eids. Every Ramadan, after the month of Ramadan, what do we do? We celebrate. It's not like one year we celebrate Eid, and for five years we don't. No. Every year brings the month of Ramadan, and every month of Ramadan brings one Eid to us. Okay. When is the next Eid? Dhul Hijjah. Right? So that also happens every year. So Kitabul Eidain, the two, the two Eids. And over here, what is of relevance? The Eid prayer. Because all of these books are related to Salah. We learned about Salah, first of all, in general. That Salatul Maktuba, how is that to be performed? The five daily prayers. Then we learned about Salatul Jumu'ah. How is a Friday prayer supposed to be performed? Because that is also an obligation. Now after Jumu'ah, what is being mentioned? Eid. Salatul Eid, that is also an obligation upon who? The Muslim community. So how is that to be performed? Now remember that there are only two Eids. There is no third or fourth Eid. In a way there are three Eids in the sense that Jumu'ah is also an Eid. That is like a weekly Eid, okay? the day of Friday. But besides these three, Eid Al-Adha, Eid Al-Fitr, and the Friday prayer, there is no other Eid. No Eid in Muharram, and no Eid in Rabi'ul Awwal. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived in Medina, the people of Medina used to have two days when they would play and have fun. Meaning they would celebrate. They would have you know, their festivities. The Prophet ﷺ asked the people that what are these two days? They said we used to play and have fun on these days during the Jahiliyyah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah has given you something better than them. The day of Adha and the day of Fitr. Meaning, celebrate on these days. These days are for what? Celebration. But unfortunately, these days, we don't celebrate, we sleep. And when we want to celebrate, then we look for other occasions. It's within, you know, fitrah, that you want to have those moments when you can celebrate, when you can have fun, when you can enjoy, when you can eat, when you can get together. This is something natural, a natural human desire. Alright? And as a community, as a group of people, this is something that we like to do. Get together, dress up, eat and drink. So the Prophet ﷺ told us that these are our celebrations. And what is a celebration? Something to be celebrated. Meaning you celebrate that day. So the first thing that we learn about Eid is Bab fil Eidaini wat tajammuli fihi. Bab the two Eids, concerning the two Eids, and at-tajammul fihi. What is at-tajammul? Beautifying yourself, adorning yourself. Allah is jameel, meaning beautiful. What is jamal? Beauty. So tajammul is to adopt jamal, meaning to beautify yourself. Go that extra mile in order to adorn yourself. Now, Jumu'ah, what did we learn about it? That even Jumu'ah is a special day. Is there tajammul required on Jumu'ah? Yes, in a way that take your ghusl, wear the best that you have, uh, put perfume on yourself, all your hair, so on and so forth. Right? So likewise, Eid also demands what? A tajammul. Because it doesn't make sense that it's a, it's a happy occasion and a person is not showing that by beautifying themselves. حدثنا أبو اليماني قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني سالم بن عبد الله أن عبد الله بن عمر قال he said أخذ عمر جبة عمر رضي الله عنه he took a jubba what is a jubba a robe 
And this jubbah was min istabraq of silk. And this jubbah, the silk robe, was tuba'u. It was being sold. Fisuqi in the marketplace. So basically, Umar anhu saw a silk robe being sold in the marketplace. So he took it. فَأَخَذَهَا He took it. فَأَتَى رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم. And he came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. فَقَالَ So he said, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهُ O Messenger of Allah, إِبْتَعَ Please buy this. Please buy this. Purchase this. تَجَمَّلْ بِهَا And beautify with it. When لِلْعِيدِ For Eid وَالْوُفُودِ And the delegations. Meaning, why don't you buy this? And on Eid day, you can wear this. And also at the time when delegations come from various places to meet you, then you can wear this. Meaning this can be your special robe for special occasions. فَقَالَ لَهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, The Prophet ﷺ responded that إِنَّمَا هَذِهِ Indeed this libasu, These clothes, meaning this cloth, this garment, is for who? مَنْ the one who لَا خَلَاقَ لَهُ Who will have no share. When? In the Akhirah. فَلَبِثَ عُمَرُ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَلْبَثُ So Umar رضي الله عنه remained as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted him to. Meaning, Umar رضي الله عنه went back and he was quiet about this matter. He didn't talk about it. He didn't say anything. The Prophet ﷺ said, this is for the one who will have no share in the Akhirah. Umar رضي الله عنه accepted and that was it. ثُمَّ أَرْسَلَ إِلَيْهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. Then the Messenger of Allah ﷺ sent to him. To who? Umar anhu, meaning after some time. What did he send to Umar? Bijubbati, with a jubbah, meaning a robe of the badge. Of the badge. What is the badge? Silk. So the Prophet ﷺ, after some time, sent a silk robe to Umar anhu. فَأَقْبَلَ بِهَا Umar. Umar anhu brought that silk robe to the Prophet ﷺ. فَأَتَى بِهَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. He came with it. فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ He said, O Messenger of Allah, إِنَّكَ قُلْتَ You said that إِنَّمَا هَذِهِ لِبَاسُ مَنْ لَا خَلَاقَ لَهُ This is the clothing of the one who will have no share in the Akhirah. وَأَرْسَلْتَ إِلَيَّ بِهَذِهِ الْجُبَّةِ And you sent this robe to me. فَقَالَ لَهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to him, تَبِيعُهَا Sell it. أَوْ تُصِيبُ بِهَا حَاجَتَكَ Or fulfill a need of yours with it. Meaning I sent it to you not so that you wear it, but do something else with it. So what do we learn in this hadith? That Umar anhu he saw a silk robe being sold in the marketplace. He picked it up, brought it to the Prophet and suggested him to purchase it. Why? To wear it on special occasions. Which two special occasions? Eid and when delegations come to meet him. Which shows that the Prophet did generally you know, wear something nice, especially nice when? On these two occasions. It was his habit, which is the reason why Umar anhu suggested him to add to his collection this silk robe also. We cannot expect the Prophet ﷺ had a huge collection. What was his way? He would wear nice things, but he would also give them away. Right? He wouldn't keep unnecessary things with him. So what do we learn from this? First of all, that the Prophet ﷺ, it was his sunnah to beautify himself on Eid and when delegations came to meet him. 
which means that we should also adorn ourselves on these two occasions. If a person wears nice clothes on your Eid, then this is from the Sunnah. If you dress up extra nice because you are going to meet someone important, then that is also from the Sunnah. You see, sometimes it happens that we meet certain important people. Okay? Like for example, there is a big scholar. Okay? Or for example, someone who is very important in the community. Someone who is of high status. You dress up according to the occasion. Alright? Over there, don't go to the extreme of saying that, no, no, there is no need. I don't need to, you know, dress up over here. Because if I do, then I will be giving a lot of importance to the people of the world. No. No need to be extreme over here. Follow the sunnah. An important occasion requires, necessitates from you that you also give importance to it. And how do you give importance to it? By dressing up accordingly. Alright? By dressing up accordingly. Generally, when we do dress up at these occasions, what is our niyyah? Hmm? Either to compete with people or to leave a good impression on them. Do it, not for that reason, but to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. That should be our primary intention. And then we see in this hadith that it was a silk robe when it was brought to the Prophet ﷺ, even though uh, it may have been very nice, but the Prophet ﷺ didn't accept it. Hmm? He didn't buy it. And what did he say? This is for the one who will have no share in the akhirah. So this teaches us an important principle. That while adornment, beautification is recommended at certain occasions, we must stay within the limits. Observe the limits of halal and haram. Just because we are allowed to, or we are told to, or we are encouraged to adorn ourselves on a special occasion, it doesn't mean that we forget about what is halal and what is haram. You understand? So for example, on Eid day, you wear jewelry, you wear nice clothes, you wear makeup, everything. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. But also remember the limits. What are the limits? Don't go like that in front of non-mahram men. Right? This is a limit that we have to observe. Likewise, men, they are adorning themselves up. They should not become like women. Right? That they're wearing silk. You understand? So, uh, observe the limits. Don't forget the limits. Okay? Anything that you would like to mention? We discussed this uh, subject earlier, that the Prophet wasallam uh, he sent the silk robe to him, Umar anhu, and Umar anhu was surprised that, why did you send this to me? I'm not supposed to wear it. But we learned earlier that there are two kinds of haram things. One is that which is haram in and of itself, fi'ainihi. Like for example, alcohol. Right? Or for example, pork. You don't buy it, you don't gift it, Right? You don't use it. You don't sell it. You don't do business with it. But other things are haram for you, but not for others. So for example, silk is haram for men. Haram in the sense that they cannot wear it. But can they buy and sell it? Yes, they can. Can they gift it? Yes, they can. Can they buy it for their wives? Yes, they can. So this is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ sent the silk robe to Umar anhu. Clear? Okay. Anything you'd like to add here? 
I'm not aware of the evidences that are used, but people have mentioned that if something is not purely silk, 100% silk, then it doesn't carry the ruling of silk. So for example, if a man is wearing a silk tie, okay, they say it's okay. Why? Because his entire garment is not of silk. Only a part of it is silk. But others have said that no. Men have been told not to wear silk. Okay? And that means neither 10% of it nor 100% of it. Whether it's in fabric or a piece on your clothing. So you understand? What I understand, if it's gray area, just keep away from it. And also, um, please check when you buy your husband's clothes or your son's clothes, uh, what is the material made of. Because sometimes you will find sweaters even. Okay, that will be 70% silk. You will find pants which are 70% silk or 50% or 40% silk. So make sure you, you look at these things. It's like food. You look at the ingredients, right? So even clothing, check the ingredients. What is it made of? Some have silk in them. Alhamdulillah, that everything has to be written. So you check. Alhamdulillah. Bab al-hirabi wal-daraqi yawm al-eid. Al-hirab. What are hirab? Plural of? Harba. And it's basically spears, like a small sword. Okay, a small one. Wal-daraq. What is that? Plural of daraqa, and that is a leather shield. So leather shields and small swords, spears, on the day of Eid, Yawm Eid. Why? For the purpose of entertainment. Alright? So this bab is about entertainment on Eid day. First we learned about tajammul, beautification. And now we learn about entertainment. Because for celebration, these are two things we do generally. Right? Three things we do. We dress up, we have fun, and we eat. So all three things are going to be discussed over here. Al-Hirabi wa daraqi yawm al-Eid. Haddathana Ahmadu, qala haddathana ibn Wahbin, qala akhbarana Amrun, anna Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Asadiyya. Haddathahu an urwata an Aishata qalat, she said, dakhala alayya Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to me. وَعِنْدِي While with me were جَارِيَتَانِي Two young girls, two little girls. And these two girls, what were they doing? تُغَنِّيَانِي They were singing. What were they singing? بِغِنَائِي With songs of Bu'ath, the battle of Bu'ath. فَالطَّجَعَ عَلَى الْفِرَاشِ The Prophet ﷺ laid down on the bed. وَحَوَّلَ وَجْهَهُ And he turned his face. Meaning he was not looking at the girls. He was looking the other way. وَدَخَلَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ And Abu Bakr anhu entered, he came in. فَانْتَهَرَنِي So he scolded me. وَقَالَ And he said, مِزْمَارَةُ الشَّيْطَانِ Musical instruments of shaytan in the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam near the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What is he calling Mizmara? Were there musical instruments? No. He's referring to the singing. Because he said that even singing is a tool of shaytan. A musical instrument of shaytan. فَأَقْبَلَ عَلَيْهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ the Prophet ﷺ turned towards Abu Bakr. Remember that he was facing the other way. Now he turned towards Abu Bakr. فَقَالَ So he said, دَعْهُمَا Leave them. فَلَمَّا غَفَلَ Then when Abu Bakr, he غَفَلَ Meaning he wasn't really paying attention anymore to who? To the two girls. 
غَمَسْتُهُمَا I poked both of them, meaning the two girls, in order to indicate to them that go. فَخَرَجَتَا So they both left. وَكَانَ يَوْمَ عِيدٍ And on the day of Eid, يَلْعَبُ Sudan. The Sudan, they used to play. Sudan, people of, meaning the Habashis, they used to play. With what? بِالدَّرَقِ With their shields, وَالْحِرَابِ And their spears. Meaning, they would do like a, like a show. Okay. فَإِمَّا سَأَلْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So either I asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, who's narrating this? عَيْشَ رَضِ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا Either I asked him, وَإِمَّا قَالَ Or he said to me, تَشْتَهِينَ تَنْظُرِينَ Would you like to watch? Would you like to look at this show? فَقُلْتُ نَعَمْ So I said, yes, please. فَأَقَامَنِي So he made me stand. وَرَاءَهُ behind him. خَدِّي My cheek عَلَى خَدِّهِ Was against his cheek. وَهُوَ يَقُولُ And he was saying, meaning he said to those men, دُونَكُمْ يَا بَنِي أَرْفِدَةِ O Banu Arfida, go on. دُونَكُمْ meaning go on. Meaning continue. Show us some more. حَتَّى until إِذَا مَلِلْتُ I got bored. قَالَ He said, حَسْبُكْ Enough? قُلْتُ نَعُمْ I said yes. قَالَ He said, فَذْهَبِي He said, okay, you can go now. This was the good treatment of the Prophet ﷺ with his family towards his young wife. Because people on the day of Eid, they like to have fun. Especially young people. And Aisha anha was a young girl. And she wanted to know what they were doing and she wanted to watch this particular show, and the Prophet ﷺ offered her, or he allowed her to watch it. Now, what do we learn over here in this hadith about Eid? First of all, we learn that the two girls were singing. And what were they singing? Their traditional songs. About what? About their history. About the Battle of Bu'ath. And this happened years and years before the Prophet ﷺ. This was in the time of Jahiliyyah. It was basically two brothers who had a fight and it turned into literally battles and it went on for two two groups of people battling with each other. And this battle, it wasn't just at one occasion, but it went on for many, many years. And this animosity, it just intensified over time. And remember the Aus and Khazraj? Right? The Aus and Khazraj basically were two brothers. Okay, They had this dispute and that dispute turned into tribal animosity, which continued for many, many years. So much so that in Medina, when the Prophet ﷺ came once, remember what happened, that a Jewish man came and he reminded them of their previous animosity by, by saying some words of poetry. And what happened? Both the Aus and Khazraj raised weapons against each other. And the Prophet ﷺ came and he stopped them and the ayat were revealed. Right. So what do we learn over here? That these girls, what they were singing about their history, it wasn't problematic. Okay? And the Prophet ﷺ let them sing. So this shows to us that at certain occasions, it is permissible to sing songs that reflect history, that reflect culture, uh, that are traditional, to celebrate elements of the culture which do not contradict the Sharia. Because sometimes it happens that we begin to think that because we are Muslim, we are only going to celebrate Makkah and Medina and the, you know, Ramadan and Dhul Hijjah and that's it. That's it. We don't talk about the day that our country gained independence. We don't talk about being Canadian or Pakistani or American or anything like that. Culture, country, everything, you know, leave it. But what do we learn over here? When the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, did he tell the people to forget about everything and leave everything? No. 
we identify ourselves with what our culture and culture is what the food we eat the clothes we wear the work that we do the values that we have our history that is our culture and we are human beings and we cannot be separated from it you understand so this balance is very very important remember we have been given the limits the bounds that we must observe and what are they as long as it does not contradict the religion as long as it is not problematic it's perfectly fine so these two girls are singing and singing to who aisha radhiyallahu anha isn't that so cute they're in her room and singing to her as if entertaining her and she, you know she's enjoying it and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam comes in he doesn't say anything he lets them sing abu bakr radhiyallahu anhu comes in he gets upset and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he tells him leave them it's okay let them have fun let them celebrate why because the words are not problematic but we learn at another occasion some girls were singing and they said words which were problematic so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told them to change those words say something else instead you understand okay then we also see over here uh, the permissibility of singing that people can sing that people can sing when when there is a need when is there a need to sing on a happy occasion so for example eid or for example somebody is getting married all right there is an important occasion in a person's life there's no harm in singing on eid i think we have forgotten this practice we don't sing we don't make our children sing hmm? whereas we see that little girls were singing at this occasion and this permissibility is for uh, women as well as for men because the illah the reason is what the reason is happy occasion so men can sing women can sing a time of celebration there is no problem again remember there are some limits that we have been given and those limits we have to respect and we also see that on eid shows can be arranged okay you know for example circus acts they can be displayed because these men what were they doing basically playing with their spears and their shields and circus acts this is what they're about right acrobats right and we see that there is an eid festival going on on eid day where in the masjid for the purpose of entertainment again if they're permissible there is absolutely no harm and is it beneficial is it beneficial yes because then what happens children people they feel like it is eid day otherwise eid day for us is associated with what eating foods that we don't like huh waking up when we don't want to and then just sleeping the whole day long whereas eid is a day of celebration and we see the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam let the people celebrate in the masjid how by watching a show entertainment has a legitimate place in our religion but entertainment within limits and there's no harm in that recently i went to the states for the the convocation for the online courses and over there they had a children's program as well and what they had done was that for the children's program they had called this clown okay and a and a balloon lady so basically the children they were having their you know faces painted and uh, they had pizza and this balloon lady came and she was making different things with balloons for them and believe me that entire program not a single child 
was heard crying or complaining. In fact, children did not want to leave. They were so happy. They were so happy. They actually had fun. Every child, big or small. Why? Because they had somebody come and do some tricks and shows and children were happy, entertained. On Eid day, typically what happens? Children are crying, they're fussing, they're hungry. Right? You can't do anything, you can't go anywhere because children are upset. They need to celebrate as well. So Alhamdulillah, at Eid over here, we have this practice of you know having popcorn and balloons for the children. And they love it. Right? So much so that children don't want to leave. And the parents have to drag them out of the masjid. Right? So this should be done. Because Eid is a day of celebration. So celebrate the halal way. But do celebrate. You know, when children go out and they see balloons, they associate balloons with birthday parties. Then when their birthday comes and they're told, no, 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 we're Muslims and we don't celebrate birthday parties. So then what happens? They feel so left out. Bring balloons on Eid. Put lights on. On Eid. Tell them that Eid we will celebrate and do celebrate that day. Exactly. I mean, make them feel excited about Eid. Something they want, tell them. On Eid you can wear this. On Eid we will do this. Because otherwise, Muslims' Islam is associated with what? Boring, plain, strange, very old and ancient. Right? So, this is not how our religion is. And the thing is that when we are living at a time where haram is so attractive, it's so attractive, what is our responsibility? That we make halal equally satisfying. That... Families, children, people are satisfied with the halal that there is no need to turn towards haram. And in everything this should be remembered that what is halal, enjoy it. What is permissible, use it. Satisfy yourself with it. Why? Because it's a human need to do that. And if you don't do it, and the nafs is thirsty, it's hungry, then it will turn towards what is unlawful. Exactly. Make Eid memorable in your own way. And every family, they have their own ways. But make a point to make Eid memorable. Option. So sadly, there's an increase of a lot of haram happening during Eid. Yes. I mean, there should be entertainment for people of all ages. Right? I mean, Aisha radiallahu anha, what, what was her age right now? Perhaps a teenager. In her early teens at this point, right? But we see that she's watching a show. So little children will be entertained by balloons and popcorn. But older kids... What are they going to do? They should also be entertained on Eid in a halal way so that they're not just waiting to leave the masjid so that they can go and you know, party somewhere in, in a wrong place with their friends. Just wanted to share an option. Something that we did this year is we had um, a separate Eid party for, for the young girls and um, they felt comfortable and they could dress up and they can eat and um, be in each other's company. So if you can make this kind of an arrangement, you're going to be helping a lot of people. And also we see over here that the Prophet ﷺ let his wife watch the show. Right? So the couple together, husband and wife, what are they doing? Watching this show. As a family, right? So it's important to enjoy halal things as a family also. It's important to do that. Because many children, why is it that their relationship with their parents is not good? Or parents, their relationship with the children is not good? Or, you know, between husband and wife, it's not good. Why? Because we're not spending quality time with each other. And sometimes we we think that, 
you know, children, they, they should not be doing this, they're wasting their time. I mean, the Prophet ﷺ also had better things to do, didn't he? But he stood there so that Aisha ﷺ could watch. He let her, because that is what she was interested in. So sometimes, you also have to go somewhere with your family, just so that they can have fun. And yes, you will be a little bored and you will feel like you're wasting your time, but you can, you know, think positively at that time also. This is, you're investing your time with your family. You're investing your time with your family. And this is something that we we really need to understand. Uh, I remember growing up, I'm just sharing this with you so that, you know, inshallah, when you come across this, you also know how to de- deal with these situations. My older sister, when she became a teenager, obviously at school what happens? Everybody's watching movies, pop culture, everything, right? And there was this phase that we wanted to watch movies. And at that time, there was no iTunes. There was no, you know, you, you can't rent movies online. You have to actually go to a video store and rent it and bring the video home. Everybody's talking about it in school. And obviously, if we don't know about anything, we look so dumb. So I remember once a week, this was the permission that we were given. One movie a week only. On the weekend, you can go with your dad, go rent a movie, and watch it in the living room. I remember my father taking us. I cannot imagine how difficult that must have been for him. Because I cannot walk into a video store today to rent a movie for my kids, even if it's a cartoon movie. It, it, it's going to be very hard on me. But my father did that. And I think we watched movies on a weekly basis for like maybe two, three months. And then like, yeah, whatever. We weren't interested anymore. You know, we had our share. And I remember one day when he took us, he walked in and he walked out and he said, I don't like to go to these places. Just look at the posters here. And really, I remember feeling bad. I remember that we are coming to a wrong place. But generally what happens? We yell at children and we say, haram, 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 haram. You know, take them, let them see, let them decide. Make them realize themselves. When we came to Canada initially, everybody spoke about Wonderland, Wonderland, Wonderland. I remember my brother begging my parents, please, please, can we go? Can you imagine my mother and my father? They took us to Wonderland just so that my brother could go on those rides. We spent almost an entire day. Because obviously if you go to a place like this, it's bound to happen. But the thing is that we cannot close all the doors and make our children live in a bubble. But obviously within limits. And show them. When you go to these places, show them what is okay, what is not okay. Because how long are you going to shelter them? How long are you going to keep them in closed doors? You can't do that. They have to develop that sense of right and wrong. And they can only do that if you are with them. If you close the doors on them, what's going to happen? They will do these things, but how? Behind your back? Secretly? So this is a very, very important thing. Entertainment is permissible within limits. Enjoy the halal way within limits. There is a place for entertainment. And guide your family, your you know children through it. Because it's these small things that lead to such big divisions in the family. 
don't they? So a, a good connection is important, and this connection cannot happen except with you know uh, spending time with one another. I'm not saying that we got a summer pass and we went every weekend and no, this is not what happened. That it was just one once that we went, and I think that was sufficient. Alhamdulillah. Bab Sunnatil Eidaini, the Sunnah of Eidain, li ahlil Islam for the people of Islam, meaning. Eid, the two Eids are a sunnah. For who? For the people of Islam. Muslims must observe these two Eids. It is part of being a Muslim. Just imagine, it's a part of being a Muslim to celebrate on these two days. It's a part of being a Muslim to celebrate these two days of Eid. You cannot fast on these days. Can you? You cannot just stay at your home. No, you have to go and and, and perform Salatul Eid Celebrate with the community. It's part of being a Muslim. حدثنا حجاج قال حدثنا شعبة قال أخبرني زبيد قال سمعت الشعبية عن البراء قال سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يخطب. He said, I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم giving the خطبة. فقال he said, إن أول ما نبدأ من يومنا هذا أن نصلي. Indeed, the first thing that we will do on this day, the way that we will initiate this day, is how أن نصلي. That we will first pray. ثُمَّ نَرْجِعَ فَنَنْحَرَ Then we will go and slaughter the animals. فَمَنْ فَعَلَ Whoever does this, فَقَدْ أَصَابَ سُنَّتَنَا Then he has followed our sunnah. So what is the sunnah? On Eid, first of all, Salatul Eid. Secondly, Nahr. Right? And this shows to us that this is how Eid Al-Adha has to be celebrated. First Eid, Prayer and then Nahr. حدثنا عبيد بن إسماعيل قال حدثنا أبو أسامة عن هشام عن أبيه عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت she said دخل أبو بكر وعندي جاريتان she said Abu Bakr came to me and with me were two young girls من جوار الأنصار from the two young girls of Ansar meaning they were Ansari تغنياني they were singing بما with what تقاولت الأنصار يوم بعث of what the Ansar said to each other on the day of Bu'ath. Meaning the song was about what? What the people said to each other on the day of the battle of Bu'ath. Qalat, she said, وَلَيْسَتَا بِمُغَنِّيَتَيْنِ They were not professional singers. They were just two girls, little girls singing. They weren't professional singers. So because they were not professional singers, I mean, there wasn't anything bad about them. Because a professional singer at that time was not just a woman who would sing. But entertainment meant many different forms of entertainment. Right? Such women were also prostitutes. There was a lot of evil associated with such women. Remember Abu Jahl, when he came to Badr, what did he bring? Singing girls with him. Why? To entertain the fighters. In many ways. Right? So they were not such women. They were just two girls singing these songs. فَقَالَ أَبُوْ بَكْرٍ Abu Bakr said, أَمَزَامِرُ الشَّيْطَانِ فِي بَيْتِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The instruments of the devil in the house of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم وَذَلِكَ فِي يَوْمِ عِيدٍ She said this was on the day of Eid. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ يَا أَبَا بَكْرُ إِنَّ لِكُلِّ قَوْمٍ عِيدًا He said, Oh Abu Bakr, for every nation is an Eid. وَهَذَا عِيدُنَا And this is our Eid. For every nation is, is a day of celebration. This is our celebration. So let them celebrate. Let them have fun. 
So again, what does this hadith show to us? وَهَذَا عِيدُنَا عِيدُنَا Our Eid Meaning, this is a sunnah. On Eid, we must celebrate. We should celebrate. We are allowed to do that. It is recommended to do that. For who? For the people of Islam. But within limits. باب الأكل يوم الفطر قبل الخروج Now after entertainment, eating. When do you eat on Eid? Well, it depends on the Eid. If it's يوم الفطر, meaning the day of Fitr, and what is the day of Fitr? Eid after Ramadan. When do you eat on this day? قبل الخروج, before going out. Going out for what? For the Eid prayer. حدثنا محمد بن عبد الرحيم حدثنا سعيد بن سليمان قال حدثنا هشيم قال أخبرنا عبيد الله ابن أبي بكر ابن أنس عن أنس قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم He said the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم His habit was that لا يغدو He would not go out يوم الفطر On the day of Fitr حتى يأكل تمرات Until unless he ate dates Meaning he would eat first and then he would go for the Eid prayer. وَقَالَ مُرَجَّةِ إِبْنُ رَجَاءٍ حَدَّثَنِي عُبَيْدُ اللَّهِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي أَنَسْ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَيَأْكُلُهُنَّ وِتْرًا And he would eat an odd number of them. So what is the etiquette of Eid al-Fitr? When do you eat? Before going for the salah. So make sure you eat something before going for salah. And what do you eat? The Prophet ﷺ used to eat dates. So the dates that you've been enjoying in the month of Ramadan, don't finish them on the last night. Okay, Keep some for Eid also, for the morning of Eid day. And what was the sunnah? How many would we eat? An odd number. One, three, five, seven, as much as you want to eat, depending on the size of the dates also. Right? What's the hikmah of this? Exactly. Fitr is what? To break your fast. So it's the Eid of Fitr. Meaning it's the day of breaking your fast. So you've been fasting all month. But this day, what do you do? You break that fast. How? By eating. So eat before going for salah also. And remember that Eid is a day of eating and celebrating. So begin with eating. Bab al-akli yawm nahr But the same rule doesn't apply on the other Eid. Eating on the day of sacrifice. Meaning when do you eat on this day? Before Eid prayer or after Eid prayer? What's the answer? After Eid prayer. حَدَّثْنَا مُسَدَّدٌ قَالَ حَدَّثْنَا إِسْمَعِيلٌ عَنْ أَيُوبٍ عَنْ مُحَمَّدٍ عَنْ أَنَسٍ قَالَ قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ The Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ زَبَحَ قَبْلَ الصَّلَاةِ فَلْيُعِدْ Whoever slaughtered, meaning their animal, before the prayer, which prayer? Eid prayer, then what should he do? فَلْيُعِدْ Then he should repeat. Repeat what? The slaughtering. How? After salah, slaughter another animal. Why? Because before Eid prayer, if a person slaughters their animal, it's not counted. فَقَامَ رَجُلٌ So a man got up. فَقَالَ And he said, هَذَا يَوْمٌ This is a day. يُشْتَهَ فِيهِ اللَّحْمُ Meat is desired on this day. Meaning we're looking forward to to eat meat on this day. You understand his point? That this is the day of eating. It's Eid. And this Eid is about slaughtering animals and eating meat. So, I mean, we're looking forward to eating meat from the beginning of this day. وَذَكَرَ And he mentioned مِنْ جِيرَانِهِ From his neighbor فَكَأَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ صَدَّقَهُ That the Prophet ﷺ, he agreed with what he said. قَالَ وَعِنْذِي جَذَعَةٌ 
this hadith will be clarified from the next hadith also. He said that I have a jada'ah. What is a jada'ah? A young uh, goat. Okay, a she-goat. أحب إليّ which is more beloved to me than what من شاتي لحمن from the meat of two shats. What is a shat? Huh? Two sheep. So he said that I have a young she-goat which is dearer to me than the meat of two sheep. Meaning even if you gave me the meat of two sheep combined, I would prefer the meat of this little goat. Meaning I've been looking forward to eat this. In other words, فَرَخَّصَ لَهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم allowed him. فَلَا أَدْرِي I do not know أَبَلَغَتِ الرُّخْصَةُ مَنْ سِوَاهُ أَمْلَى Whether this rukhsa was just for him or others also. The, the narrator wasn't sure if the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم allowed for this man or he allowed others also. Now what does this hadith mean? Let's look at the next hadith to further understand. حدثنا عثمان قال حدثنا جرير عن منصور عن الشعبي عن البراء بن عازب رضي الله عنهما قال خطبنا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم الأضحى بعد الصلاة He said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم gave a khutbah to us when on the day of Adha meaning the Eid when after the prayer because when is the khutbah supposed to be after the salah so after the salah he gave a khutbah فقال and he said من صلى صلاتنا Whoever performs our prayer. وَنَسَكَ نُسُكَنَا And he sacrifices the way we sacrifice. فَقَدْ أَصَابَ nusuk. Then he has fulfilled the sacrifice. وَمَنْ نَسَكَ And whoever sacrificed قَبْلَ الصَّلَاةِ Before the prayer, meaning Eid prayer. فَإِنَّهُ قَبْلَ الصَّلَةِ Then it was before the prayer. وَلَا نُسُكَ لَهُ And he has not fulfilled the sacrifice. فَقَالَ أَبُو بُرْدَ ابْنُ النِّيَارِ Abu Burda, he said, uh, and who was he? Khalul Bara. He was the uncle of Bara. He said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, فَإِنِّي نَسَكْتُ شَاتِي قَبْلَ الصَّلَةِ I slaughtered my shat before the prayer. وَعَرَفْتُ أَنَّ الْيَوْمَ يَوْمُ أَكْلٍ وَشُرْبٍ And I know that this is the day of eating and drinking. وَأَحْبَبْتُ أَن تَكُونَ شَاتِي أَوَّلَ مَا يُذْبَحُ فِي بَيْتِي And I wanted that on this day of Eid, the first thing to be done is that my animal is slaughtered so that I can eat it. It's the day of Eid. So basically, فَذَبَحْتُ I have already slaughtered shati my shat. وَتَغَيَّتُ And I also ate قَبْلَ أَنْ أَتِيَ الصَّلَةِ I had my breakfast before coming to the prayer. So he slaughtered his animal when? Fajr time. And he cooked it and ate it even. And then he came for Eid prayer. He said because it's the day of Eid, the day of eating meat, so I'm already done. قَالَ He said, شَاتُكَ شَاتُ لَحْمٍ Your sheep was just a sheep of meat. Meaning you only got meat from it. You didn't fulfill your obligation. قَالَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ He said, O Messenger of Allah, فَإِنَّ عِنْدَنَا عُنَاقًا عُنَاقًا لَنَا He said that we have a she-camel that has a jada'a, that has a baby she-camel. هِيَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ شَاتَيْنِ It is more beloved to me than sheep. عَنِّي Will it suffice for me? قَالَ نَعَمْ He said yes. وَلَنْ تَجْزِعَنْ أَحَدٍ بَعْدَكَ And it will not suffice for anyone after you. Meaning this exception is only for you and not for anyone else but you. Now what do we learn in this hadith? These two hadith, what do they tell us? That basically, it seems like this was very early on in Medina, which is why the rulings weren't clear to people. Right? And the people remember that Eid is a day of eating. And on this Eid, we slaughter our animals and we eat it. So this man, 
Abu Burda, what did he think? That I can do this at Fajr time also. So he slaughtered his animal that he had cut for sacrifice. He ate it and then he came to the salah. And after khutbah, he found out that no, if it's done before Eid prayer, it's not counted as sacrifice. It has to be done after the after the Eid prayer. So he mentioned that to the Prophet ﷺ. And what did the Prophet ﷺ tell him? That his sacrifice basically was not done. So he said that now I don't have anything else that would meet the uh, you know criteria. But I do have an unaq. Now what is an unaq? Some say it's a young she-goat. Okay. And jada'a, it's described as a young she-camel. So in either case, a small animal. Okay? A small animal, a baby. And he said that it's a baby, but still, أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ شَاتَيْنِ May I slaughter that? The Prophet ﷺ said, okay, you may do so. However, others cannot do this. It's only for you. Why? Because there are certain conditions of udhiyah. Okay, there are certain conditions of udhiyah. The animal that is being slaughtered, there are certain conditions. The first is that the animal must be of a certain type. Meaning a person can say that, oh, I have this chicken, so I'm just going to slaughter this. I have a rooster, I'm going to slaughter this. I have a rabbit, I'm going to slaughter that. No, it has to be what? Either a camel or a cow, meaning from the cow family, or a goat or a sheep. Okay. So this is one condition. Another condition is that the animal should have reached the required age. It should be of a certain age. So for example, a baby goat, it should not be slaughtered. A lamb, it must be six months old. If a person chooses to slaughter a lamb, it must be six months old. If it's a goat, it has to be one year old, minimum. If it's a cow, it should be two years old, minimum. And if it's a camel, then it should be five years old, minimum. You understand? So this man, he said, but I don't have any of these animals, but I do have a baby goat. What's the condition for a goat? How old should it be? One year. But this was younger than that. So he said, but this is all I have. I had made the intention to sacrifice. I made a mistake. My sacrifice is not valid. Now I have to do something. This is all I have. Can I do this? The Prophet ﷺ said, yes, but this was only for him. Another condition of Uthiya is that it should be free of any faults. Okay, free of any faults. Prophet ﷺ said there are four that will not do for the sacrifice. A one-eyed animal whose defect is obvious. A sick animal whose sickness is obvious. A lame animal whose limp is obvious. You understand? So such an animal should not be slaughtered. Meaning it should be free of any faults. Alright. Another condition is that the udhiya must be slaughtered at the specified time. Which is when? After? Before the salah? No, after the salah. After salah, after the khutbah. Alright? Before the sun sets on the last day of Eid. And what is the last day of Eid? Ayamu Tashrik or three, right? Okay, so the third day, before the sun sets, any time after that. You understand? There's a whole window. From when to when? After Eid prayer, until the sun sets on the last day of Eid. Which is the 13th of the Hijjah. And if a person 
performs the udhiya before that, then what? It's not counted as sacrifice. What does that teach us? That for ibadah, for any ibadah to be counted, to be fulfilled, there are certain conditions. There is a method. There is a time. And for some there is even a place. And if any of these matters are neglected, then their ibadah is not valid. So for example, a person says, I want to go for hajj, but I can't go all the way to Makkah. I'll just pretend that I'm going to Mina over here, you know, this uh, and this, uh, this mountain here, I'll pretend that it's Arafat. You can't do that. If you want to do hajj, you have to be in Makkah. There's a place. There's a time. So a person cannot do hajj in the month of Rabi'ul Awwal. He cannot do hajj in the month of Ramadan. When can he do hajj? Only on those days. He cannot say, well, there's so many people over here. I'll come a week later. No, you can't do that. There is a time that you cannot perform that act of worship neither before that time nor after that time. So for example, salah. Is there a specific time window, time period? Yes. Fajr. If you perform it in the last third of the night, will that be counted as fajr? No. If you perform zuhr, when the sun rises, is that zuhr? No. If you perform maghrib before the sun sets, is that maghrib? No. It will not be counted. It will be counted as enough a act of worship, but the obligation will not be fulfilled. You understand? So likewise, udhiya is an act of worship. And for it to be valid, it has to be done within the specific time period. Alright? And these shurut, these conditions, must be observed. We are not allowed to violate them. And if a person ends up, for example performing an act of worship before its due time, then what? He has to do it. He has to repeat it. So if, for example, you have your butcher do the wudhiyah for you, because you can't go do it yourself, then make sure that they actually slaughter the animals after Eid prayer. You understand? Don't arrange for pickup, meat pickup, after Eid prayer. If, it, if you're going to pick up your meat straight from Eid Salah, that means that your animal was slaughtered the day before. And that means your Uthiyah is not valid. You understand? So find out, make sure, ask them. The thing is that there is a time period for Salatul Eid, right? So as long as the Uthiyah is done after Salatul Eid, it's fine. Yani in, in your city, where you are. Okay? Now, for example, if you've sent it overseas, then obviously they will do the udhiyah uh, according to their salatul eid. You understand? So that's also valid. Of course, it's valid. Okay. Also, remember that um, you know, for example, aqiqa. Okay. That also the animal has to be slaughtered, right? So, for example, if you're doing it on the seventh day, okay, you can't have their aqiqa. Uh, meat done before even the child is born. If it's done even before the child is born, it's not valid. You understand? Seventh day, if you want to do it on the seventh day, then make sure the animal is slaughtered on the seventh day, not that the meat is cooked on the seventh day. Because if it's being cooked on the seventh day, that means it was done before. Then that would not be valid. You'll have to repeat it. You understand? So, any act of worship that was done before its due time, is not valid.
meaning its obligation is not fulfilled. It's not wasted. You still get reward of a voluntary act of worship. However, the obligation is not fulfilled. That has to be redone. Clear? Any other question with regards to Uthiya? Because the next bab is slightly different. Yes. And it should be done because uh, we're just used to eating meat. And for us, then Eid is no different than any other day. Because Alhamdulillah, we eat so much meat that on Eid, it's no different. Right? But going out to slaughter the animal yourself is also necessary. Right? At least once or twice, do this. Let the children see the animal. So that they feel Eid. Otherwise, what is Eid without? Udhiyah. And what you mentioned, taking the children so that they can also see. It's, this is also entertainment. Go to the farm and watch the animals. And of course, it will be long and tiring. But older kids, this is something that they can do. Anyway, inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.